Inside 20, for those who desire to hunt close. Brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia, Big Jim's Bow Company, Gunshy Archery, Vantage Point Archery, Custom Kings Traditional Archery, and Triple T Strings. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared from each podcast are the beliefs of the Inside 20 associates and the guests participating. We thought it'd be a good idea to revisit the journey series. We did a few of these when we first started the podcast, and we just haven't done them since. And so thought it'd be a really good idea to bring somebody on that we've never actually met before outside of social media. Somebody who has shared a lot of their success and uh, just loves traditional, and we can clearly see that via social media. So we want to welcome Dwayne Spann. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we just, we kind of, what we want to do is just go through and just hear more about you and hear about how you started out hunting with a traditional bow and just some hunts that you've had over the past, uh, you know, few years or in the past when you first started out doing it. I, I don't know absolutely really anything about you. Um, and so this is all going to be new for me and anybody that's listening to this podcast. So why don't you just start out and tell us where you're from and uh, just how long you've been hunting with a traditional bow and, and why you hunt with a traditional bow. And then we can kind of go in and dive dive in deep from there. Well, my name's Dwayne Fan. I'm from a little town called Dixon, Tennessee. We're about 40 miles west of Nashville. And my dad, he kind of introduced me into the hunting a little bit. And there's a local sportsman store here in town. And we'd go in there and there was a Shakespeare Yukon recurve hanging up in there i was probably nine ten and i begged him for that bowl and he pretty much told me you know that i was too little for it and this that and other well about a week later i come home and he had it in there for me and there was a place over in clarksville called grandpa's and they just had fistful of wood arrows you know the kid arrows every time we'd go in there he'd buy me five or six and i started out shooting that thing our backyard had like a little hillside. I would take a potato, stick it on a stick, stick it out there on that hillside and shoot at that potato. And I got to where I was pretty good with it. You know, I could hit that potato just about any time I shot at it. And I never did hunt with it. It was just more of a, you know, something to do. And my little brother, he kind of got big enough to hunt and dad started bow hunting. So he bought us all compounds. And I think we both, had a mock flight four and a fire flight, all that PSE stuff. And first deer I ever killed, I was 16 years old. I killed it with a Hoyt heat compound. And there's a local archery club here back in that day called Dixon County Bowhunters. They had 3D shoots out at Montgomery Bell State Park. And bunch of us would be out there shooting and then it just kind of caught fire right in there early 90s you know a lot of guys were shooting stick bows a lot of the guys that i looked up to were shooting stick bows so i got that old shakespeare back out and it actually kind of cracked on me so i ended up buying a ben pearson cougar off a guy and shot it for a little while and then i bought a it was the gainesville kodiak hunter it wasn't an old one. I think it was probably an 88 model, 45 pounds. And I actually killed a doe with it. And man, I thought that was the best thing. Just, I couldn't get over it. That You know, I took that bow, killed a doe with it. It just put me over the moon. 
And I thought, you know, I'll never hunt with a compound again. Well, that didn't last very long because the next one I went after, I missed. The next one I went after, I wounded and couldn't find. So I got the compound back out. Actually bought another one. And uh, I hunted compound. I'd kill a few deer. And then I'd put it up, say, I'm going all trad. And I'd go out there and miss. So I'd get the compound back out. It took me forever. I think 2005. The last compound I had was a Matthews, I think it was a switchback. And I kept telling myself, I went a couple years there where I was coaching softball when my girls, you know, came along. I kind of shut a lot of the hunting stuff out. I was doing, you know, everything with them. So there was a little spell there to where I really didn't hunt. But I kept telling myself, if I didn't get rid of that compound, it was always going to be a crutch. And I was building bows, some D-shaped long bows. I don't know. It was in the 90s. And I kind of built a few, just tinkered, and kind of got away with it, or away from it. And then, I think it was 2012, maybe, I went over to another shoot over at Twin Oaks at the Tennessee Classic. I don't know if you've ever been over there. I have not, but I've heard great things about it. It's going to be on my bucket list, I guess, of trips to do here soon in the next couple of years, hopefully. Yeah, that Tennessee Classic is something else. But when I went over there, you know, I took an old D-shaped bow that I made, and my daughter was with me. I'd made her one. We was over there shooting. And I got to looking at all these reflex, deflex bows and was thinking, man, you know, that's way different. And a guy had a that I met over named John Thornton. He's a buddy of mine from down Alabama. He was shooting a super shrew. And I shot that thing and thought, man, I I really like this. I've got to, you know, try to come up with one of these. So I came home and actually bought a shrew and made me a form and built some. I make uh, some longbows called a crowfoot. I could just do it out of my garage, Garner Creek Bowls. There's a Facebook page for it, too. But I'm, it's just kind of something I piddle at. But I made that first one, and buddy of mine, Jamie Baggett, we used to shoot together over there at Montgomery Bell years ago. That's where we kind of met. And then life happened. We kind of went our separate ways. But at that same shoot, this is a funny story, too. We run into him, my daughter and I. And he had his youngest son with him, Jake. We're sitting there talking, and I told him I was camped up top of the hill, and he needed to come up there and see me, and he was looking at the bow. Dad made and all that stuff. Well, after he walked off, my daughter said, who was that boy? And I said, that's Jamie Baggett. Man, him, you know, used to shoot together when we were kids. She said, I don't mean that man. I meant that boy. And I said, oh, that's his son, Jake. She said, I'm going to marry him. Huh. First time what. she ever met him. You're going to marry him. You're crazy. <laughs> uh, we got to shooting over at his house or my house about every weekend after that. And they're getting married September the 9th of this year. No way. Yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's, I've got a, a daughter who is, is going to be four soon. I can't really think that far in the future, but that's that's hard to believe. Well, I'm going to tell you. 
four to fourteen don't take no time, and fourteen to twenty four goes by just as fast. That's what I've heard, and it's funny. I, I talk about it a lot uh, at work with people that are kind of in the same uh, life stage as I am with young kids, and. I just talk about how quickly like she changes in the conversations that we have. Um, she actually gets to ride with me on the way to work and goes to daycare and uh, to and from. And so I, there's a lot of conversations with her that now I just it's six months later. You know, it seems like every six months is something new. I'm just like, where did you hear that? And would you just ask me? It's just it's mind boggling. But it's a lot of fun. It is. She actually goes with me. I'm sure you inv- and included your daughter in this, but uh, she she goes with me to put out you know some cameras and check properties and do scouting and, and stuff of that nature um and it's fun she enjoys going and, and we make a day out of it and we always go get some lunch and go to a playground or something you know to break it up but it's just fun spending time with them that's that's neat that they're getting married i'm sure he's a good guy too right oh yeah he's a great guy awesome that's good it's kind of a funny story i mean this traditional stuff it brings people together in ways that you don't even think about it does it really does and we've talked about that a few times and i I told uh and during my journey story that i shared that when i got going at this i bought a bow from from dindy cromer uh, on gon and just had aspirations to try to kill one deer with it and the way that he approached me and some stranger that just gave him some money for a recurve uh bow that it, it was just like man at that point this guy's i mean he's treats me better than some people that i'm you know closer with that i've known for years and and everybody that i've run across in the traditional community is, li- is like that uh, just so giving with their time and they just they treat you like you know they've known you your entire life and i think there's something to say about that and it uh if anything i don't i don't care about antlers and inches and and success i think if if at the end of the day like what truly matters is people being able to say like that's the type of people that um you know are part of that community in in our group absolutely so how old were you when you you killed that first year i'm curious to know with that first doe you killed how old were you 16 wow no 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 no. the first year i killed with a traditional bowl that would have been like I was 20, 20 years old. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so keep going with your story. That's, that's, this is great. That, uh, talking about making that farm and building that bow, I put a little crook in the limb, you know, just to kind of be different. Bill Stewart, I studied him a lot. He made bows for everybody and he'd come up with that little, he called it a single cam. It's just a little hitch in the limb. Okay. To put that in there, you know, just trying to fool around, and make something different. But anyway, I took that that bow that year, it's 2014, and I took it and killed a six point buck with it. And it was the first buck I ever killed with a traditional bow, and first deer I'd ever killed with a bow that I made. So That's that just awesome. kind of, yeah, that kind of turned it on, man. I was really it was the only deer I killed that year, and then the next year. I think I was, I started making self bows and that was, that's probably the hardest thing to kill a deer with. I don't know for whatever reason, it just, everything went wrong. I mean, I'd have shot opportunities or so I would think, and I'd get ready to shoot. And for some reason they'd turn their butt or it just, it took me all year. And I finally killed a little five point buck. He just, 
read the script, I guess. He walked right in there perfect, stood still long enough, and I double-lunged him. He went about 150 yards. But that, that first self-bow kill was, you know, something else, too. And I yes. got to where I built five or six of them. I killed a really good velvet eight-point. The first year they had the velvet hunt up here in Tennessee, I ended up killing an eight-point with a self-bow, and it was a really good deer. That was a proud really? moment. That's, I'm telling you, it is it is tough. If nobody's attempted to make a bow, I mean, that is one thing. To successfully make a bow and then successfully be able to string it, it be close to, you know, the desired weight or even to the point to where it didn't get a hinge in it. I, we, myself and Tim went down and built bows with Hatchet Bow Dan down south. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, he's, I mean, this guy's built, I don't know how many bows, countless bows, and we built some hickory bows, and I got a hinge in mine, and I told myself last year I was going to try to kill something with it uh, from the ground, and I just I had not have not done that. I wanted to make some cane arrows, and we got river cane, and we're going to nap some heads, and I just haven't taken the time to do it. There's no, I guess there's really no excuse. Just haven't taken the, the energy or effort to go and do it. But to make the bow, and then you kill a deer with it, and then continue to do that. I mean, I can see where that the le- the level of just satisfaction increases that much more from doing that yourself yeah it's it's really cool and i I i'm the person i just love bows man i mean i love them all i don't think i've got one that i thought man that's just terrible and they've all got their different little grips or quirks you know their sounds i mean you can shoot a black widow and you shoot a bob lee and they both shoot same area same way they feel a little different they've got a little different feel a little different sound but man i just love them all yeah i do too i I love too if they could tell a story they really could especially bows that the coolest thing about traditional bows that i think is unique is you can go on ebay and you can find you some bow that was built in the 70s or the 80s and buy it and it looks some of them look just as good as they did new and they they usually hold a pretty good value they're more 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 money now than they were whereas you take something that's like modern around uh, a crossbow or a compound and it loses value like the next year it's like somebody you know going and buying a, a new car right and then like you as soon as you drive it off a lot it starts depreciating and so i think man that and the fact that it just it's so they're so simple I mean, they're so simple. It's it's amazing. You can I think I have bought, I don't know, probably off of eBay from people that I don't know, um, probably close to a dozen different bows, buy them and, and shoot them for a while and then get rid of them. And I'll tell you this, I have not I don't think I have ever bought a bow like from somebody I didn't know on like eBay or somewhere like that and, and get it. And it's it doesn't work. You know, you might have to put a new string on it, but every time they've worked, and I'm sure people are running the stuff that um that it hasn't hasn't played out like that but i think it would be different with something else right and to me that's special yeah like you're talking about you just wonder about the history of it and the stories I, i'd put that on a post the other day a buddy of mine bought a pearson cougar just kind of like the first one i started with and the string groove started to crack he asked me he brought it over to me and asked me could i do anything with it and I glued it up, sanded it out, and put some tip overlays on it, sanded them back in, sprayed it, and, I mean, it shoots perfect. It saved the bow, and that's what I was telling him. I said, every time I look at one of these, I just wonder how many arrows it shot, you know, who toted it, what was killed with it. I mean, it's just, you get to thinking about stuff like that, 
when you're doing things like that. I know it's special. And for you to be able to do that and, and give it a new life, I mean, it's doing that and doing things with your hands. That's what God made us to do. And it just the, the ability to do that and, and then take something in the woods and then successfully use your ability and and, uh, and God-given talent to it that to successfully bring something home. That's what we, we continue to preach to people that have never tried traditional. It's just you, you can't understand it unless you've tried it like the satisfaction that you feel and i always talked about this in a recent podcast is it's not pride it has nothing to do with that it has everything to do with just i don't this something there's something to do with just the way that we were made you know all the way back to the very beginning when the bow and arrow was was uh was first in somebody's hands yeah i get something in my mind like that you know like that cell phone I built over that tournament said, I'm going to kill a deer with this thing. And I took it the whole season. And just like I said, everything was going wrong. But when I finally killed that five point, I mean, he's just a little old dink five point. But to me, man, that thing was as nice as anything I ever killed. Same with that six point. First one I ever killed was, you know, a crow foot that I made. And I made a green. He was having trouble getting green glass. I don't know, back probably. 15, 16, 2015-16, and Big Jim started carrying it, and I ended up getting some green glass from him, from Big Jim's bow company, and I made a green glass bowl, crowfoot, and I called it Gump, because, you know, he was from Greenbow, <laughs> Alabama, or yeah. so I named it Gump, and I said, I'm going to take it all year, I'm going to kill something with it, and I ended up killing a, about a 125-inch nine-point with it, and man, that wow. was pretty awesome, too. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. That and that is uh, I, I can't even imagine that. I, and now let me ask you: Do you, you still have that bow? I assume, right? And these other bows that you've you've made that I mean, they're pretty sentimental. Still, or do, you, do you get rid of them? I still got the first one. Okay. Old number one. I keep it. Actually, a buddy of mine has got it. He was shooting it, thinking about taking it to the IBO and shooting longbow with it. So he's got it fiddling with it. But I still got it. Gump, I don't know if you've ever heard of Tony Tall. I, I, that name, yeah, I have. I, that name is very familiar. I, I believe I do have. He, I have heard of him. That dude can build a self-bowl in about two hours, it seems like. Every time I turn around, he's built one or wow. saving on one, building on one. Well, he's come to the pre-spring fling. We've got to be pretty good friends. And uh, he was over shooting it, Gump. He shot at a couple of targets. He said, man, that thing is sweet. And I took my quiver off of it, and I said, I want a self bowl. You take it. It's yours. Just, I want a self bowl that you made. Man, it went 30 minutes till he come back with one that he had in the truck. So <laughs> I, he got dumped, and I got a Tony Tall self bowl. So it was pretty cool. Man, that's cool. And so you wouldn't see that in, in any other type of, like, hunting community, I don't think. I just don't feel like you yeah. would. I At least I've never heard anything of that nature. And that's, that's something, man, it's just, I don't know. It, it's so special. It really is. And y'all probably still talk, I would assume, today, right? Oh, yeah, a lot. He comes to – I've been trying to beat him with a self bowl over at that t- Tennessee Classic for years. And every time I think I've got him, <laughs> that sucker will come in and beat me by two or three points. He's saying he's back best, you a little bit. <laughs> he's the best shot with self bowl I've ever seen. That's Hands great. Down. That's great. That's awesome, man. 
Yeah, you. I feel like you've uh, you've paid your dues uh, in the beginning. And I know everybody's story is different, but like you said, you know, you had some some missed uh, shots and some bad shots, and if uh, you didn't failed recoveries, and I think that uh, you you come full circle, and it, it makes you appreciate it more when it when it comes together, right? When it fully comes yeah. together. And that's something I think I kind of learned along the way. You know, I was talking about hunting all that stuff all that year. I won't take a shot unless it's absolutely right because I've there's too many variables. I mean, I was shooting at them too far. 22, 23 yards to me, in my opinion, that's too far. Yep. Because they're going to move. I mean, there's just in my experience. Now I know there's people out there that kill them 40 yards and say you know they're proficient to 40 yards, but to me there's just too much that can go wrong. So if it doesn't feel exactly right. I don't really take the shot. Yeah, that's, I, I, yeah. that's Go good. Yeah, I think that that ends up being uh, personal like decisions that you have to make. And you have to be mature enough to be able to stick to that. Because let's yeah. all be honest, in the heat of the moment, especially if it's uh, some type of special game that you've either never harvested before and you feel like you, it's an opportunity or it's, uh, you know, something like a trophy right in your mind compared to maybe, you know, what you see as a trophy. Like at that point, you, you may be really tempted because uh, that you, know, you feel like at that point that it might walk out of your life for that opportunity that you think is an opportunity might be over with. And that's the hardest part, right? Like that discipline and that maturity. When you say like, this uh, is my limit. Yeah. I want them 17 yards is where I want them to be in the end. But another cool story I just reminded me we was talking about people and I was thinking about Dixon County bow hunters. There was a guy back in the day, his name was Don Allen. And that dude could shoot, I mean, just knock the lights out of anybody. Best shot I've ever seen. So everybody was chasing him, you know, trying to shoot as good as Don. Well, he passed away about three years ago now and his son barry called me up and said hey dad and he's got some bowls over here i'm gonna end up trying to sell would you help me you know like take them over there and sell them when i say take them over there i'm the president of buck hollow bow hunters it's an archery club here in dixon tennessee we're a lot like the twin oaks gang over there we kind of copied everything they do but all, a whole bunch of us that used to shoot at Dixon County Bowhunters when we were club are in that club and kids, you know, now are part of this Buck Hollow Bowhunters over here at Sylvia. That's we're on neat. Facebook too. You can check that out. I will. But anyway, Barry called me up and said, hey, about these bows, I may try to get you to take them over there and sell them. But he said, he's got like nine boxes of arrows in here. He said, you think you guys would want, them, want these arrows? And I said, yeah, man, we'll take these arrows. I said, I'm sure a bunch of them guys would want them. So I went and picked them up, and I'm kind of rummaging through them. And there's a 2117 autumn orange. Looks like it's long enough to me. And it's got a Simmons land shark broadhead on it. And I told Barry, I said, I'm going to take this arrow. I'm going to sharpen it. I'm going to kill a deer with it. And he said, man, if you do, I want you to send me a picture. And <laughs> I come home, sharpen that thing up. And I was shooting a Bob Lee recurve. And I told Jamie, I said, I'm going to take this Don Allen arrow this morning. I just got a good feeling about it. 
And I said, I'm going to shoot whatever walks up. And he said, I hope you do. So went over there. I hadn't hunted. I mean, I wasn't in the stand. I got there mid-morning, probably about 10. I wasn't there 30 minutes. Here come a little spike, six point. Coming right down through there, feeding on these white oaks that I had to stand hung in. That six point got out there, turned perfect. I let the arrow go. Watched it go in. Thought that was a pretty good hit. He circled around to the back of me. Fell over dead. I said, oh, my goodness. I don't believe it, man. First time I took this arrow, you know, Don's arrow, I just killed a six point. Wow. We got to talking about it in the club. And Rocky Boker, another good buddy of mine, he said, let's pass that arrow around and just see what happens. Well, he'd had surgery. He had a detached retina the year before. He was having all kinds of trouble in shooting. But he took that arrow and went out. First time he took it out, he killed a doe with it. He gave it to another guy, Wayne Baggett, guy over there uh, that owns the farm that Buck Hollow is on. He took it out. First time he took it out, he killed a spike. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this was crazy. So he gave it to Jamie, and Jamie went out there and missed twice. And he got so frustrated, he gave it to another buddy of ours, Chris Williams, and he ended up shooting an eight-point with it. And we never found the deer, and the arrow broke. So I just think, I think Don was with us on every one of them hunts. He was kicking Jamie in the Man, that's special. That that is, I've not heard a story like that. We talked to Jerry Russell, and he was talking about a, an an arrow that him and Al Chapman had killed. I don't know how many animals it was. It was like fifteen or something animals with it. But for y'all to pass it around like that and different people do it, that's that's pretty dang unique. And that is that's awesome. I told Rocky we need to write a story about it. You do, man. You need to write a short yeah. story. I guarantee if you wrote something, it would it would easily make like traditional bow hunter magazine or, or some type of, you know, uh, traditional magazine. It I, that would be a great story, a great short story. You really do. Did y'all have any pictures like when you went when you when you had had you had had luck each time? Did y'all take photos with the arrow? How did y'all do that? We did. We took photos like when I passed it to Rocky and then when Rocky passed it to Wayne. Yeah, there's, we've got some good pictures and everything. We could do a good story on it. Man, y'all need to do that. I would love it. I, I would stand behind it and, and help push it. That would be a great story. Everybody would love it. Now, I know you're being pretty humble with us, uh, and I, I think that I would love to talk about, like, your season last year. And, and I, I'm like I said in the beginning, I'm thankful for social media and the light that you can come across people um, on these different pages that love this lifestyle that we love and, and see somebody that's been successful and be like tickled pink, not even know who you are and be super tickled pink, but then also just, man, just super motivated, like super motivated by the deer that you're able to successfully harvest last year. Uh, so can you tell us, I mean, just how the season went, uh, and maybe just a couple of those hunts and how they, how they unfolded. I know that the one buck that you're able to take, you said that you had hunted him for four years, right? Yeah. The first time I ever seen him, he was probably, I don't know, 120 inch, nine point. And to tell you the truth, I'd have shot him the first chance I got. Because I'm not no trophy hunter. I mean, I'm just, I'm a deer hunter. That's yep. what I love to go do. That's right. You know, but I had pictures of him. And then next year, he was a little bit bigger. 
and he was run. He always run with this eight point, and the eight point was pretty much stud. And he kind of disappeared. I only had one picture of him and that eight point the next year. And then 2021, that eight point was a giant. And the deer I killed last year was a 10 point, mainframe 10. He was a good deer. I shot either one of them. But that eight point, man, I wanted him bad. And really? I knew where they bedded. I knew this little travel corridor they were going through. And this little flat top's got a bunch of white oaks and red oaks on it. They were feeding in there. So I, I hunted him on the velvet hunt. And he come in there the second day I hunted it. He come in there feeding on white oaks. And I, I shot him at about 15 yards. But I hit him high, right in the back straps. Mm. He run by a buddy of mine that was down, I don't know, about 40 yards from me hunting in another stand. We were, you know, right on them white oaks making you know one of us gonna get a shot me and him hunt like that a lot it's fun to me that is fun but when he went by him he looked over at me and gave me a big thumbs up you know and i'm sitting there about to cry and you know i'm shaking my head no and i said i hit him way high and he starts texting me he said man that was under the spine and i said i don't think it was and we got down we couldn't find any blood went and tracked him couldn't find any blood called a guy with the dog he came over and we ended up finding the area and it didn't have any blood on it at all it mm. was broke and i told him i said i hit him in the back strap so no i did so i said he'll live well about two weeks later he was back on camera coming through that ridge and Sounds another friend up here killed him on the farm next over with compound Dang. and man he was a good deer but i never seen that 10 point again Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more information. And by Big Jim Bow Company, the place for custom bows, handmade leather goods, and much more to meet your traditional archery needs. Check them out at bigjimbowcompany.com. Gunshy Archery, the perfect custom-made quiver for both two- and three-blade broadheads. Check them out at gunshyarchery.com. VPA Broadheads, precision machined one-piece broadheads, two and three blade mode is available. Check them out at vparchery.com. Custom King Archery, the best price on the best traditional archery products since 1972. Check them out at customkingarchery.com. Triple T Strings, created champion level Flemish and endless strings for hunters and target shooters using the best materials. Check them out at TTT Strings on Facebook. Mm. Until last year, I started getting pictures of him. I put out a bunch of salt, you know, and some mineral blocks right there on that same ridge. And I started getting pictures of this buck coming in there. just had these big, humongous bases, you know, and I kept getting pictures of him and watching him. And finally, I said, that's that, that's that 10 point from last year, but he was a 12 what i thought it was a mainframe 12 but i put a bunch of cameras up you know watching where he was going where he was coming from i knew his bedding area i knew they traveled through there so i hunted him on the velvet hunt too same place i shot that eight point and i thought he you know this is his territory i'm right here in his bedroom i know you know he's going to come through here well he come in one afternoon 
I wouldn't hunt him in the morning because he was always in there. He was he bed down in front of one of my cameras, so I wouldn't I wouldn't try him in the morning. I just went in the afternoons, and he come in there that first evening and blew. He winded me and was gone, mm. and I thought that's the last I'll see him. But I kept watching the camera. He kind of disappeared a little bit, and then he got to coming back. He was traveling through there in the afternoons. So uh, another friend of mine up here, Patrick Perry, he killed some big old deer. And a guy named Ammon McKinney, he's another one of my Alabama buddies, he said, you need to get you one of them Ozonics. He said, and try it. He said, I promise you they work. I said, man, that's a bunch of bull. I said, that's snake bull. He said, just get one and try it. And I said, all right. So I called Patrick. I knew he had one. I borrowed his. I took it that afternoon, hung that thing up, and was sitting there telling myself, this is about the silliest thing i ever seen. Well, the wind's right at my back. The worst possible thing could happen, you know, to hunt this deer from where right. he was coming. I look up, and he's standing out there about 75 yards checking the wind, just walking around checking. It took him 30 minutes to go 15 yards. But he finally come right in there on them oaks, man, and started feeding around. I mean, the wind blowing right to him. So I don't know if those onyx works or not, but to me it worked that day. And I, I told my wife, and she bought me one for Christmas. So I'll have a lot more information about them after this year. But anyway, he come in there feeding, and you talking about that discipline, you know, and having to hold it all together. I prayed to the good Lord the whole time he was walking in saying, please, Lord, just let me hold it together. Let me make the shot. He's standing out there about 20 yards, broadside. There's one little old limb. And I'm thinking, I can make that shot. I can make that shot. And I thought, if I hit that limb and I wound this deer, you know, I'm just going to be sick. So he just turns and starts walking off. So now I went from, you are sick. You just blew it. That's the biggest deer you've ever had in front of you in your life, and you just let him walk off. You know, what is wrong with you? And there's a, another little six-point with him. It was like 12 yards underneath me. And I don't know if he's seen my leg shaking. The wind was blowing pretty bad, but he kind of made this little, I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of like a snort wheeze, but there wasn't no wheeze to it. It was just the snort part. And he huh. started looking around, was watching him. I looked back over at the big deer, and he turned, and here he come walking right back in there, and he turned. He's standing 15 yards and starts licking himself on the other side. So it's, his kill zone is as big as a beach ball. Wow. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. So mm. I'm praying again. I drew back, <laughs> got to the corner of my mouth, and when I let that arrow go, it was like it was in slow motion. And I mean, it buried right in the pocket, right where you'd want it. He tore out, and I seen him slap this red oak when he went by and ticked the arrow. Well, he went on across this old logging road that goes out into the thicket. And I just sat down, you know, because I saw it, and I thought, I just got him. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that is a dead deer. And it's the most perfect shot I've probably ever made on one. I get down, couldn't find no blood. Went over mm. where it slapped that tree, and the knot had broke off. I'm shooting a, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, it's called a Quest. They made them, it's a tapered carbon shaft. 
I've not heard of those. Yeah, I don't know where they were made. Our Dixon Sportsman store was getting them really cheap. And man, them things are tough. So I bought a bunch of them. Huh. Have they been around and for a while? They don't make them anymore. I don't know if uh, they went bankrupt or something. I have no clue what happened to them. But anyway, huh. it's the same arrow. Archery Traditions makes one that uh, okay. Three Rivers makes. Okay. But it's a tapered carbon arrow. And uh, it shoots a Easton X Knox on that little end. And I oh, shoot yeah. 160 grain land shark. So it broke the knockoff. When he went across that logan road out to that thicket, when I went out there, I found my arrow. It was broke off. And I got to looking at it. There was nine, nine inches of my arrow missing. And there's probably four inches of blood up on the shaft. Oh, yeah. I can't find a drop of blood anywhere. So I just backed out, come home, told my daughter, I'm in here looking at my mounts, you know, holding the arrow up there going, there's nine inches of this gone. It's in here. It's buried in that offside shoulder or something. I said, it's, you know, that deer's dead. So we went back out there about two hours later. Couldn't find no blood. That thicket that he went in is just, I mean, thick. Had to crawl through it just about in places. Yeah. I looked, I looked, I didn't find no blood. So I called my buddy, Justin Miller, who lives up here. He's a really good hunter and a really good tracker. And he's got a big old dog, a bloodhound named Hank. And I called him up and told him what had happened. And he said, man, he said, uh, I can't get there tonight. He said, but I can be there first thing in the morning. He said, how early can you get there in the morning? I said, man, I ain't going to sleep. Like four o'clock be good with me. <laughs> he said, all right, I'm there o'clock. So we get there, and uh, that buddy of mine, Jeff, uh, Jeff Starkey, the one I was talking about when I shot that big eight point, yeah, he had been hunting with me, but he didn't go the evening I shot him. But I told him he'd seen the deer and seen all the pictures of him, and I told him I shot him. He said, "When well, I'm coming over with you in the morning, to help you track him." Heck yeah! I, he shows up. So we get over there at four o'clock. I take him up there and show him where the arrow was laying in the road. Hank gets on him. He's going up through the thicket, kind of cuts off, and we get up, like going toward where he beds. And Justin said, "Did he he come from here?" I said, "He beds over in here." I said, "He's been in here a lot." He said, "I don't think he's on him. I ain't seen the first drop of blood." And I said, "I ain't either." So he called him back. We get back up there to the area, and he's making him go the other way. The dog doesn't want to go that way, and he's like, "Man, I'm confused." He said, "We should see some blood." And he goes, let's go back. So he goes on the same track he went the first time. And we went about 50 yards farther and started going off a hill. When we did, you know, we started finding a little bit of blood. He said, yeah, he said, he's bleeding good now. When he was going off that hill, man, he was bleeding really good. Yeah. We got to the bottom of that hill. It kind of flattened out again. Couldn't find him. And we're sitting there looking around on his GPS. And he said, man, we've been over 250 yards. And he said, I don't think you hit him where you said you hit him. And he said, I know how it is when you're hunting. And you do too. He said, you you think you hit him there, but I don't. I really don't think you did. I think you hit him high and forward. I said, Justin, I said, I keep seeing this over and over in my mind. I said, I'm telling you, I, I hit him right behind that front leg. I mean, it was a good shot. He said, well, he ought to be fine in there. And I said, I know. Well, Jeff says, his daughter was going to school up in Knoxville and was broke down. So he said, I got to get up there to her 
He said, I don't think we're going to find him. And I just looked at him and I said, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. Golly. Needling me. But we pick at each other like that all the time. So he ends up leaving. Oh, goodness. So we go back down to where we'd last found that blood. Justin kind of went to the straight up, and I kind of cut to the left. And when I cut to the left, I said, hey, man, I said, there's blood right here. He come back down there, and he said, sure enough. And he put that dog on me. He said, Hank, you missed him, buddy. And he's going up. We start easing up this hill. Now, Justin is about. I don't know, five, six, maybe, 100 pounds soaking wet, wiry, just, I mean, can go. I could, There's no way I could keep up with you. I'm like 6'4", 250, old fat boy. <laughs> so I'm following him and that dog, and we start going up this hill, and all of a sudden he turns around with that light, and he's just, oh, my God, Dwayne, oh, my God, and he just dives right on me. You know, I catch him midair. And I'm looking, I'm like, what, do you see him? He said, yes, don't you see him? And, you know, I'm shaking him every which way, trying to look past him to see the deer. And finally, when he turned back around, we could see him laying there, and all you see was those antlers, you know, up on the side of that bank. Oh, and, yeah. You know, he went 300 yards, and, I mean, it, it went right in behind that spot, behind his leg, was in the outside shoulder. And I think the only time he bled, he was bleeding out his nose when he was running down that hill because he was filling up inside. Wow. But he That's... died running. There was, there was no kick marks. There was yeah. nothing. I mean, after he fell, he just, he died right there. Yeah. I've experienced that. Was it, did you, It was it a heart shot, low heart shot? Was that what it was? No, it was double lungs. Was it really? That's, yeah. It, that's Especially shooting that. That shark, that's a big broadhead too. I mean, that thing, it it usually makes them bleed pretty quick, but you only got one hole in them, and so that does make a yeah. difference in my experience. Man, that is a hey, you talking about a roller coaster. I know that's not how you wanted it in the moment for it to play out. You're like, man, I just want it to be like you shoot the deer and watch the deer go down, or you hear it go down, and it's a pretty quick recovery that same night. But you talking about like really living the the roller coaster and and lit real life like being a part of that that's i've been there that's tough man that is yeah, that, that is tough up and down up and down and then start to go now you ain't gonna find him and leave that's and the it, first took a picture of him and sent it to him he hadn't got a mile up the road and next thing i know i could hear him up there whistling that he didn't come back <laughs> come and see him he came he back yeah, he helped us drag him out. That's awesome. I think that that's the uh, the perfect testimony, like being able to hunt with your buddies. I have truly enjoyed doing that more than I have seasons that I spent more times in the wood by myself. And then like recovering deer together, that's memories that you'll have, you'll share together for a lifetime. And then to be a light, a book of a lifetime. I mean, they talk about icing on the cake, right? Oh uh, yeah, it's unreal. He was, I think, he scored Buckmasters. They, I had to get him scored because we got in that bow hunting league. I don't know if you ever heard of that before. I have heard about it. I have. I, I, I keep up with that on Facebook, and I think it's uh, it's fun. I, I enjoy competition, right? I think outside of like the you killing big deer and people getting caught up on that, I I don't really. I try not to get caught up on it. I tell myself that every year. You know, you're not just going to pursue, you know, one specific deer or a few of them. You're just going to you're going to go out there and, and shoot when you get opportunities. But I think we all 
uh, fall victim to that from time to time. But man, I think it's fun like that friendly competition and cheering each other on in that light. I think that that's I think that stuff's good. Yeah, the reason I I didn't really know anything about it, but Dalton Gooch, that guy that I told you had the original crowfoot, he killed yeah. some big deer too. He said, "Man, they got a traditional, you know, it's a, all bow hunting, but this past year they had traditional teams." that was competing against traditional teams that's cool and then, yeah so that's the only reason i got in it to try to you know promote the traditional part of it heck and, yeah and i've met some great people we ended up going to arkansas on a hunt they call it the showdown if you qualify like if your team has the most points or if you kill the biggest deer and they've got a king of times you can go look at it it's really cool man i met some great people it's pretty Harrison, cool yeah, Justin Miller, the dog tracker, he's he's part of it. But yeah, and it's just networking. I mean, you you run into like awesome people, and going out there to Arkansas and hunting with those guys. The, our trad team ended up winning it, so we got to go out there and hunt those WMAs, man. Corey Bailey, man, it was really cool. Really, and so but, what do you, you know, explain that real quick? Just explain that. I'm curious that whole process. So you enter, you're part of like a group, so traditional or compound, and then if you place like in the top, you get selected, and then you go and hunt those uh, those properties out in Arkansas. And then what happens? Like how long is the hunt? And then how do you you shoot the biggest deer out there? Or how does that how does that work? And what do you get if you win? Exactly. Yeah, on that showdown, you have to qualify to get invited. So, like, the biggest traditional buck, the biggest public land buck, the team that's got the most points in the traditional, the same with the compound. I think they take – I know they took the top traditional team, and they give us free bows. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. And we won bear – I got a bear Kodiak Hunter. I think Corey got a bear Super Grizzly. That's cool. Yeah, we all won bows. Yeah, it doesn't cost you a thing to enter. And it's like I said, you meet some really good people and everybody's cheering you on. That's kind of what I like about it. I ain't never I haven't heard one guy in that that league say a bad word about anybody. Man, that's what it's all about. And the networking part, like you said, just beating new people. To me, man, that's the fun part about life. Like building new relationships, meeting new people, doing what me and you are doing right now and crossing paths. Like that is I think that's why we were put on this earth. That's why God put us on this earth to be able to do that. And that's to me, you saying that it's just good hearted people that are encouraging each other. We need a little bit more of that in this world. But to get him scored officially for bow hunting league, I had to get a professional score. Well, there's a guy named Hunter Schmidt-O from over in Clarksville and he's a professional. He writes for whitetail. I think North American Whitetail Magazine, and he also writes for Buckmasters. Well, he ended up scored him, and he scored 175. Holy. He's the number one traditional buck with a recurve in the state of Tennessee and number seven in North America. Damn. That so is... that, that's why Buckmaster, you know, they're, they're scoring. I really didn't know a whole lot about it until all this took place. It's just kind of overwhelming, some of it, but it's freaking neat, I'll tell you that. Man, that's awesome. A deer of a lifetime, a huge accomplishment. And then the story behind it, too. And just so unique. And big congratulations. I'm super proud of you, man. That's awesome. On that bow hunting league, on their page, I don't know, you'd have to dig around to find it. 
but Justin, he done a recovery video when we were out there tracking, you know, and when we find him and we say a little prayer there, man, it's, it's good stuff. Every time I watch it, I get goosebumps trying to relive it. That's, that's cool. I'm going to have to go and find that. Uh, I think it'd be something good. We, uh, we post this podcast to share that everybody's probably want to see it. Yeah, that's pretty neat. And then it was an anomaly for sure last season because like I was talking about that 120 inch something deer that I killed with Gump, that was the biggest deer I'd ever killed with a stick bow prior to that big one. And then it was three days later took my daughter that morning and she'd missed the doe and she was telling me she said you make me nervous you can't hunt with me no more because i was like right <laughs> above her camp. she said we're coming back this evening but you're not hunting with me so i had hung a stand over i don't know about 100 yards from where she was hunting that morning and i'd actually seen a buck watch it walk in that fence line that morning i went over and scouted to see if they's eating acorns but i couldn't really tell i think he was just passing through but I went to sit in the stand, I'd hung it and never hunted it. So I go get in it and the sun is just absolutely beating me to death. And I thought, this is why I've never hunted it. This is awful. <laughs> yeah. And I'm looking in her direction and I can see some does and stuff moving down through there. And I thought, well, maybe she'll get a shot here in a minute. I can get out. And she said she never saw him. But as the sun kind of went behind the trees and it kind of cooled off and stuff started moving, coon come through here and I, you know, heard him, got kind of excited, thought it was a deer. And then I heard something snap behind me. I turned around and looked, and I could see a buck back there about 40 yards coming right down the trail, right past this stand, or was going to be right past this stand. I kept looking at him and thought, man, that's a pretty good deer. And he got up there a little I said, that's a really good deer. And he got up there, and I thought, man, this is a shooter. I'm going to shoot this deer. And I thought, if you shoot this deer, you're going to be done. They're only allowed two bucks, Tennessee. Yep. If you don't shoot this deer, you're an idiot, because that's the biggest deer you've ever shot at prior to Wednesday. (laughs) So he walked up there, got his head behind a white oak, and I shot him, hit him good, and he took about two steps, fell down, got up, fell down again, got up, and was just rolling. And I heard him crash down there on the other side of a log. I texted it. My daughter and I said, well, that big eight, I think it's that eight point or that nine point, just come up here and I just shot him. She said, you got to be kidding me. He was coming right to me. And I said, well, he didn't make it. <laughs> I would have rather seen her kill him. Man. I seized the opportunity, I guess. Yeah, you never know how that's going to play out, man. What a, a season. That's amazing. Yeah, and that. That's correct. Now, does it your dog forty? Really? Yeah, holy. Yeah. I mean, it, you're talking about like your best season of your life, I assume, right? Oh, without a doubt, I'll probably never have another one like that. Oh, you never know. You never know. That's man. That's awesome. That's a. This is something, man. You you'll uh, never forget. And like you said, like you've made all these connections too after the fact. Uh, and you know, I think it's just, man, it's something to. It's something to write home about. Uh, people listen to this, and I mean, we try to continue to uh, influence people whether they uh, are on the fence or they've tried it or they they're thinking about you know maybe they'll try it. Uh, traditional, you you can still, if you're worried about you know pursuing big deer, you can still have great success. Uh, you can't think that like you're you're limited by the equipment you take into the woods. That's not the right yeah. mindset to have. 
I had people tell me that, you know, what if he comes, I can't believe, you know, you're hunting that deer and I'd show pictures to yeah. certain ones. Like, man, I can't believe you're going after that deer with a stick bow. You need to get you a compound. I'm like, if I can't kill him with my stick bow, then I don't want to kill him. That's, That's right. Yeah, I know. You will be a failure before you're a success in just about anything. That's it. And That's I, exactly right. I've had my share of failures. But That's you just got to keep up. And you got to figure out what works for you and, you know, stick to the plan. That's Don't it. Don't shoot at them too far. Make sure everything's right. And, I mean, it's just, I wouldn't take nothing for it. To me, I'd rather bow hunt with my stick bow than anything, any other kind of hunting that I do. I, I love hog it. Killed a couple of hogs. That's really fun down in Alabama. And I've got to where I've been. Tur- this is the first year that I didn't carry a shotgun. I took my bow the whole turkey season this year. And finally found one stupid enough to get in front of me and be still long enough. But that's a hard thing to do with a stick bow is turkey hunt. It is. It is tough. I I have done it and it is it's hard. I have I've been blessed to be successful and it's and I I take I do not take for granted any of those times that it's worked out because there's been like you said uh, double the amount of failures. Uh, trying to successfully shoot a turkey with a traditional bow. I saw the picture, I think, of that bird, and, and it was you, – you pulled off a, a headshot, right? Yeah, that's what I was fixing to ask you. Are you shooting them in the body? I am, and that's is very tough, man. I, I tell you, the, the thing that has saved me countless times is a string tracker. I, I don't use it when I deer hunt. Yeah. I just feel like there's a potential opportunity for it to get hung up on brush and I don't sh- I don't traditionally trim shooting lanes when I go and hunt different spots I like to move around a lot and hunt different properties and so I feel like it might be a hindrance but when I do turkey hunt um, I have not killed one out of a blind yet it has all been blind it has been with a blind I, I've tried it some few hunts my next goal is to do that with like a leafy suit and try to kill one but even with that I'm still going to take that string tracker from trying to body shoot them. But you killed yours. You you pulled off a headshot successfully, right? And what type of broadhead you were using a using a Magnus? Yeah, it's that Magnus bullhead. Oh yeah. The first one, the first turkey I shot with my bow. I shot it with a crowfoot, one of them that I made, and he flew straight up in there. It had two. It was two of them that come up there, and I shot him. I mean, right above the beard, just mm. perfect. What I thought was perfect, and then he took off flying, and I thought, well, now what? I got up, went out there and found, looking for my air, and I couldn't find it. And I thought, man, that nose had to go, it had to go all the way through him. And I just kind of started walking down the bottom of the hill where he flew, and I seen the other one, or one run off. And I thought, well, that's a good sign. There wasn't but one that run off, because I know he was right behind him, you know, when he flew down there. And I took two more steps, and I could see him just shining over there. The sun was hitting all that air dusting on his feathers, and I was like, man, I got him. So this is, this is awesome. I picked him up, you know, first time I went out there with a bow and killed him. I was like, this is awesome. Well, I've shot five more in the body since then and didn't find any of them. <laughs> and I, I thought, know. This, no, this is terrible. I can't stand yeah. this. I ain't doing so I tried that bullhead, and, you know, I've got to get him up there 10, 12 yards. And the first one I shot with that thing, he didn't make a step, just folded mm. up. Mm. same thing that one this year it's hard to get them up there that close but 
they work. I've yeah. got two so far. They didn't take, you know, they didn't take a step either one of them. So I'm kind of yeah. stuck on that. You know? I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, you think about it. If you hit them, I mean, it's gonna, it, it, it's gonna do its job. Um, and that, that's there's no chasing them or running after them. That's like you, you shoot them in the body, and it's devastating if you hit them. And are you hunting yeah. over decoys, getting them in? Because I know turkeys traditionally, man. For me, they they don't like to keep that head still, so that makes it fun trying to shoot them in the head. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a a strutter that I put out that either they yeah. run run from it or they come that's up right. And try to that's right. It's funny how they got different personalities. They're just like a buck, yeah. you know. They got there's some of them that are super aggressive. I think a lot of that has to do with, and we talked about this before, but if they're the dominant bird or depending on if there's a dominant bird like in that area and, and they've had their butt whooped at some point during the season because I've had them that you see them. I'm talking about nice birds, like really big, oh, probably three-year-old birds, like super nice birds. And they, man, they will not get close to like a quarter strut and Jake decoy. They will stand out there and at 40, 50 yards and gobble and strut back and forth. And you know they can clearly see that decoy and then eventually they just walk away <laughs> yeah it's crazy and there's no hens with them either i've had that happen before but it's fun it's a lot of fun it's it's pretty neat you've had sounds like an amazing year last year i'm sure you, you'll do the same thing again this year and have a great season and i know you uh, it is hard to probably top the deer that you killed last year than that second deer uh from a score wise but like you said in the beginning, man, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a it could be a spike or a doe. It don't matter. You, you get fired up every time, and that's what it's all about. And it doesn't matter just yeah. successfully shooting something, right, with a traditional bow. Yeah, they've got a little thing over there at Twin Oaks. You know, I told you we kind of copy them. They're a great bunch to copy, too, because they've been going at it for a long time. But they have a thing called the Twin Oaks Grand Slam. And all the club members, it starts, you know, it starts over when somebody does it, but you got to kill a spike, a three point, a four point, five point, six point, seven point, eight point. I think it's eight or bigger and a doe. Really? Once you've got, yeah, once you, they're, they're, everybody put, they put money in the pot every year. And then when it's over, so we've done that at Buck Hollow, and I need a spike and a four point right now to win like $700 in that pot. So that's what you're going for this year, huh? That's what everybody says. You know, he's he is after four points and spikes. Like <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm a deer, I'm a deer hunter, man. I'm gonna be after whatever comes up there. At yeah. Get that that's right. Whatever opportunity you get, I'm gonna take that same approach this year. And it's those seasons that I've done that uh, and haven't been after specific deer, man. It's they're just so much more memorable. They're more fun, more memorable. Last year. I had an opportunity to, uh, there's a, a property that I get to hunt, a uh, permission property, and there's an old barn on the property, and there's this old fruit tree, like, in front of that barn, and when I first got permission on it, the season before, it was, like, super late in the season, and I thought the tree was going to, it was going to drop early season. It looked like a fruit tree, but I'm not the uh, best at identifying some certain types of trees, and it was a, it was actually a uh, like a, a a pear tree, um, and so it had started dropping, and it was I don't know if it's just not getting the right nutrition or what, but the pears are like real small on it. I would assume that's probably what it is, uh, and sure enough, it it had fruit on it last year early season, and when it ended up uh, putting a camera on it you know, in the summer just to see if there was deer coming to it, and sure enough, there was, and 
went out there in, in that barn and ended up shooting a, a three-legged doe out of that barn. I had just like a uh, sitting in the barn on the ground and just put like a black uh, hoodie on and sat in there and shot that three-legged doe. Uh, and man, she, it's just, man, a perfect shot, ran about 40 yards and piled up and I've never killed a three-legged deer before ever. Um, and so, and she'd had, had been like that for some time. And I'll tell you what, man, that hunt just going back and thinking about that hunt and playing that back in my mind, it was just, I don't know, it's something about it. And like you said, it's just, if you enjoy hunting with a traditional bow, typically you'll find just shooting critters, man. It, uh, it don't matter how big they are, what they score it's just as fun, but you deserve a huge congratulations after that season you had last year. And like I said, it is inspiring. I'm sure you've inspired a ton of people, probably more than you know, uh, and probably people that are like, man, if he can do that, especially if they are all caught up on you know, shooting big, big deer that score score well, they probably see that and they're like, man, I, I could do that. I think I want to try it. And you challenge people that way. And so I just commend you for that. Just keep doing it it's uh it's fun it's fun sharing that with people and people seeing it and uh people make connections over it so i just want to tell you thank you for doing that i know not everybody's about putting things on social media and some people are skeptical about doing that They're afraid people might you know, end up uh doing them dirty and going and hunting their spots or whatever but you doing that it, i think like i said it motivates people well i appreciate that I truly enjoyed it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, those guys last year after I killed those two bucks, like, what are you going to do now? I'm like, I'm going to shoot those. Heck and I yeah. loved it. So I ended up, my grandfather's property, he passed away and it's been split up between my aunts and my mom. And when I was a kid over there, I never remember seeing any deer, which he had a bunch of foxhounds and they probably kept them running off. But I actually, hung a stand over there where i'd been seeing some it was january i want to say the second or the third i went over there and killed a big doe on his property and that's just to me that had this special meaning you know because of where i was at and just you know just it just meant something i ended up killing four does and those two bucks last year it was a great season i probably never have another one but that last doe, just because I killed it over on my granddad's place, and it had a, it had a lot of meaning, a lot of sentimental value. Man, that's awesome. It, it's it, it it's so neat, man, just to hear the stories. Uh, you you were able to uh, you just lived it out last year and really had just an amazing season. It and it's awesome. I'm so I'm so happy for you, man. I I think that uh, what what you're able to pull off last year. Uh, regardless of how the next few years go which i know you'll find success but uh, no matter how it goes that, that'll keep that fire burning bright just being able to reminisce on the season you had last year yeah and that's what i kept saying you know i, I would drive by there and think man i wonder if he's over there and then you know after i killed him i'd drive by there and go well i know he ain't over there it was almost just i don't know it's like heartbreaking <laughs> if that that's, makes any sense that's but, a strange know, feeling said, yeah you know there's gonna be another one and i've got some pretty good ones on camera right now that i can't wait to get after i wish the season started tomorrow that's it man. i'm right there with you i've got a, a a group of buddies that 
they love it and they've gotten into it some of them here recently and some of them uh, this will be like the first full year and they, they're, the, they're the same way and it's fun to like share that you know you keep you you keep building each other up and motivating one another you know being able to talk about it and i know some people are against cameras but i'm with you it's fun to put them out and it's and it's cool to see them it, it even it lights that fire even more you're just like man it's gonna be something to look forward to but it's also fun to go sit in the woods on a property you don't know and sit on a spot you feel like it's going to be good not have put a camera or any scouting time in and then have a surprise as well so i enjoy that aspect of it but it's yeah. i'm excited about just to see how your season goes can't wait to see it so i'm sure it's going to be it's going to be a good one it's it's fun regardless right it's a lot of fun it's fun practicing it's fun going to the woods and, and not knowing how it's going to play out uh, it's fun to be able to go out there and, and learn sometimes in the moment those hard lessons you don't want to learn them that way but it's good it's uh, it's important if you take them and apply them in a positive way after the fact and stay disciplined and, and have maturity when it comes to you know setting a, a limit on your range and, and certain shots you're willing to take i think that only increases your odds and there's been multiple people that have been very successful uh year after year that we've talked to and they've shared that same exact thing so I think there's something to say about that. People that are wondering, like, hey, you know, how can I be more successful? Yep, you got to figure out what you did wrong and don't do that no more. That's right. That's exactly right. My wife tells me that, too. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what? think of it. My wife told me that a while ago. That's it. That's exactly right, man. Well, I'm I'm super thankful for just the time that you've been willing to spend with with me, uh, a complete stranger, and share, man, all these uh, inspirational and motivating stories and more about your life and how you come to love traditional. And I I, I know we're gonna have to do it again. I can't wait to hear about how your season goes uh, this year and and in the next year too. Well, man, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate. You know all the kind words you just said. I mean, well, me, I'm just old bow hunter from up here in Dixon, Tennessee, and I got a bunch of buddies that are way better at it than me. But it's just, uh, we all. Well, we we are uh, we are inspired. So keep doing it. Keep inspiring people. If you don't mind, man, I'd like to say a quick prayer for us just to close. Yes, sir. Please do. You're just so thankful for. Dwayne and I'm just so thankful for tonight and the ability just to just to come together uh, two people that have never met before and, and just the opportunity just to uh, hear about uh, Dwayne's story and, and the people that he's uh, continued to to motivate and inspire and just a in a positive way and just allow us to have more opportunity to just influence uh, people and just to come to find you because at the end of the day, uh, that's truly what matters. And we're just so thankful for just the opportunity just to have a passion like this. We know that you put passions in our heart for a reason um, and and to, to glorify your name. And and we just ask for the, the continued opportunity to do that. I ask that you be with everybody as they uh, continue to get in the woods to scout and and put time in to to be able to get ready for the upcoming seasons and just continue to keep them safe, Lord, and uh, be with those that um, are out and about right now. I know the uh, the weather; it's been very hot. Just protect them and keep them healthy, Lord. Be with their families, and just continue to just uh, remind us that that you are the most important thing in our life and to put you first. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. Please continue to forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dwayne. Hey, man, I really appreciate the time.
Thanks for having me on.